Scripture reading is taken from Acts chapter 14, verses 8 through 20. In Lystra there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, and called up, Stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. When the crowd saw that Paul had saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Laconian language, The gods have come down to use us in human form. Barnabas they called Zeus, and Paul they called Hermes, because he was the chief speaker. The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, brought bulls and wreaths to the city gates because he had a crowd and wanted to offer sacrifices to them. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way. Yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowds from sacrificing to them. Then some Jews came from Antioch and Iconian and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the t- disciples had gathered around him, he got up and went back to the city. The next day... He and Barnabas left for Derby. Let's this pray. is the word of the Lord. Father, I ask that now as we look at your word, you would show us how the story of Jesus can intersect with our story and help us put everything into proper perspective under your guidance and under your hand. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as, as many of you know, I've moved to this area and I'm going to be working on starting a new church in Jersey City. And when we're starting new works or reaching out, one of the things we do, I, I mean, us pastors, is we go back to the Book of Acts. Because the Book of Acts is a first-hand account of one of the great public miracles in the history of the, of, in history of humanity, which is the expansion of the church from just a group of unschooled, ordinary men in Jerusalem to a movement that just in one generation reached the corners, the, the far reaches of human society. And, you know, to understand the world at that time, to see what happened, is to realize that that was one of the most remarkable things that's, that's happened in the history of humanity and something that needs to be explained. And the book of Acts gives us a first-hand account. However, there's a problem, and that's when you read the book of Acts, you realize the apostles had kind of an unfair advantage over us ministers today, and that is that they could do miracles. Like, uh, you know, in this story, Paul makes a man who had been lame from birth, who had never walked his whole life, and Paul gives him the ability to walk. And I, I, I tend to believe personally that if I, with all of my other weaknesses, if I had the ability to make the lame walk, I could probably fill up Madison Square Garden every Sunday, no problem. You know, because it it would it would get people's attention. People would would want to see what was going on. But on the other hand, this story puts the ability to do miracles into uh, perspective, because it shows us that there's something more powerful and more transforming than even a physical miracle that makes someone who had never been able to walk walk again. 
You know, look at what happens here. That They show up at this town, and the town of Listro was a town that was not a sophisticated town, more of a backwoodsy type of place, and people weren't as well-educated there. And But uh, Paul and Barnabas show up at this town, and they're, they're preaching in the city square. It's interesting, there was apparently no synagogue there, because that's where, where they would usually make their first stop, was in the synagogue to speak to their own people, and then they get kicked out of the synagogue and they go to the public square. But there's no synagogue in Lystra, so they go to the public square, they're talking to the people, they heal this guy, and then a big misunderstanding happens. All the people start talking away in the local language, and Paul and Barnabas have no idea what's going on. They think a revival's happening, they think they're going to start this amazing new church, but then instead the priest of Zeus comes out and they're about to make sacrifices of, of bulls and throw a big festival for Paul and Barnabas because they think Paul and Barnabas are Zeus and Hermes come down in human form. See, what was happening here is they were interpreting, they were understanding this event, the healing of this man in terms of a local myth that they all believed in. The people of Lystra believed that decades ago, Zeus and Hermes had visited their town and hadn't been welcomed by anybody, hadn't been recognized by anybody, and just kept going. And then on their way out, they had brought a flood that had decimated the place. And that was a myth. That's a myth, actually, that was preserved by Ovid in the Metamorphosis. It's something that, that uh, scholars can, can match up with this town and this place today. And they said, well, since that happened, we're not going to let it happen again. Here, obviously, these guys are Zeus and Hermes, and we're going to recognize them, we're going to throw a festival for them, and we're going to make sure that they, that they know we honor them and we, we value them. And so the point of the miracle that Paul and Barnabas had come to heal in Jesus' name and bring salvation through the gospel was completely missed by the people they were trying to bring hope to. And so the, the first point I want you to see from that is there's something more powerful and more important than miracles, and that is the stories that you believe. Because we're not really defined by our circumstances. We're not even defined by miracles. We're not even defined by the most profound things that happen to us. What you are defined by, what I am defined by are the stories that we believe above and beyond all things. These people saw a miracle. They heard Paul say, we, we did this in Jesus' name. We did this by, by the power of the God who made the heavens and the earth. And yet they didn't get that. They didn't make the connection. All they could connect it to was the story that they believed about Zeus and Hermes visiting their little village and their commitment to, to not miss the visit of the gods this time. Same thing is true in your life and my life. If you want to understand somebody, just ask them what their story is. What are the events that have happened in your life that have defined who you are and what you are and how you see the world? You know, sometimes these are personal stories, stories of our successes and achievements, stories of our losses and failures, stories of the gifts and the blessings we've received stories of the ways that we've been hurt, misunderstood, and, and maybe cast out and rejected. Those personal stories, as we hold on to those, those stories can define us much more than the circumstances that we find ourselves in. Sometimes 
They're stories that are bigger than us, stories of our heritage, stories about what happened to our people generations ago, what, how perhaps our father or mother or, or, or their parents before them came to this country, or how, how we suffered or how we succeeded, or whether we have royal blood or, or whether we have peasant blood. These, these stories of a heritage are something that we hold on to, something that we allow to control our future. These stories of the past work their way into our future. Sometimes the stories that control us are myths that are bigger than us and bigger than our family. I mean, just to be an American, to, to study American history, to hear the story of the Revolutionary War and, and understand what it means to be an American, to hear the story of World War II and understand how we, how this country sacrificed to uh, defeat Nazism and, and to win the, the freedom and in world in World War II, those, those myths become part of our identity as Americans and and what it means to live the story here and now. But to understand yourself, for all of us to understand ourselves, yeah, maybe we have miracles in our life, maybe we have particular circumstances in our life. But more than anything, the stories you believe are what is going to define you. The great challenge for all of us is to have the right stories define us and the most important stories define us. And so Paul, when he realizes the confusion, when he realizes these people think he, that he and Barnabas are Zeus and Hermes and they're not getting the message about Jesus, Paul tries to stop them and tries to correct them. Look at verse uh, 14. When Paul and the apostles heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed into the crowd and said, friends, why are you doing this? We're only human just like you. We are bringing you the good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. In the past, he let all nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their season. He provides you with plenty of food and he fills your hearts with joy. And even with these words, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. What's Paul's saying, he's saying, guys, you got the wrong story. That myth, you know, thousands of years from now, kids will have to read Ovid and they'll agree with my assessment. We've got to turn from these worthless things. There's a real story, there's a true story that you've got to buy into, a story that God created this world, that God continues to provide for us. Every time it rains on the crops that you plant, you need to see God's provision in that. Every time you eat, you need to see God's blessing in the food that he provides. Every time he fills your heart with joy, that's a gift of God. That's the true story. That's the right story. That's the story that you need to have controlling you and defining you and the story that you need to look at. So Paul is trying to reset their story as it were. To see what the gospel is, the message of Christianity, essentially, it's not a series of doctrines we believe first and foremost. It's a story that we embrace. A story about Christmas, God did come in human form and was born of Mary. A story about Good Friday, our elder brother Jesus paid all our debts, paid for all our sins. A story of Easter, the story of the resurrection, that no matter how hopeless things are, there is hope because ultimately there will be a resurrection. And that story, the story 
of Jesus fits into an even bigger story, the story of creation. There's a God, a personal God who created all things. Fall, we fell, and this world is broken. It's not what God created it to be. And then restoration, one day it will be what it was created to be because God has set in motion the process of restoring all things through his son, Jesus Christ. See, that's the bigger story. And to become a Christian is simply to embrace that story as the story that trumps all the other stories, that trumps your life story, that trumps your heritage story, that trumps even your national story about who you are and where you're from and what your life is all about. And so Paul makes this effort, makes a valiant effort with these people to say, no, don't don't let yourself be defined by this myth of Zeus and Hermes visiting this place. That's not what defines you people. What defines this place is that you are God's children, that God created you, that God provided you, and God sent me to tell you about the Savior he sent to redeem you. See, what Paul is saying is God has come in human form, but it's not me, Paul says. It's Jesus, and he's the one that you have to believe in. And if you believe the gospel story for yourself, that becomes a story that trumps all the other stories that might define your life and might define your past and might might shackle your future. Because the gospel story is about a father who loves, whose love for us trumps any rejection we might have experienced in our life. And a brother whose sacrifice and payment for us can overcome any debts or failures we might have incurred in our life. And the resurrection of Jesus, which means that there's hope for each and every one of us, for everyone, everywhere, regardless of how hopeless your circumstance might seem in this moment. And see, if you can believe that story, if you can embrace that story, that's what faith is. That's what life-changing faith can be. And to grow in faith is to grow to a place where that story trumps all of the other stories, all of your heartbreaks, all of your frustrations, all of your losses, all of your successes, all of your achievements, and all of your hopes and dreams are swallowed up by that story, the story of the Father's love, of the Brother's sacrifice, and of the ultimate restoration and resurrection. And so that's the hope that he offers us, to put our lives into that new story. Wherever you are right now, whatever you're dealing with, that story can make new sense of your story such as it is. So so what we learn is that the stories are more powerful than miracles, more powerful than, than in defining us than the miracles we experience or our circumstances. And the great challenge, what what is faith? Essentially, it's believing a new story. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul puts it this way, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, by which you are saved. And the gospel is simply this. Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. He was buried, and three days later, he rose again from the dead according to the Scriptures. By this gospel you are saved, if you hold firmly to this word. What is that gospel? It's a story, the story about Jesus. And in that story is the hope that you're looking for. And so finally, just what does it mean to live this story? 
Well, we get a little picture of what it's like to live this story and what the different chapters in the story are like in the very last paragraph. So Paul goes from being, from them thinking he's a god and they want to make sacrifices to him and then look at verse uh, 19. Some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and won the crowd over and they stoned Paul. That's, they threw rocks at him until they thought he was dead and then they dragged him outside the city. After the disciples gathered around him, he got up and he went back into the city and the next day he left. So that's how it feels to actually live the story. Uh, you know, I mean, talk about a bad day. Anytime you come to and everyone's yelling, he's not dead, he's not dead. That, that's a really bad day. I bet Paul had quite a headache for quite a long time after all of that. But that was Paul's story. That was what God, what God, the story that God wrote for Paul in that moment. You know, one minute the crowds are sacrificing to him, the next minute they are trying to kill him. And the thing that amazes me is that Paul kept going. You know, I think this would be enough for me to say, you know, I think this, this apostle thing is, is not what it's cracked up to be. I, I'll go back to, uh, building, making tents or whatever it is. I mean, how, how much of this can you really take? And, but the reason Paul kept going is because he believed in the greater story. He believed in a new story. He was following Jesus, and you know the story of Jesus. What did it mean to be Jesus? Jesus told mir did miracles. Jesus gathered a crowd. A lot of people adored Jesus, and then they all turned on Jesus and said, crucify him, and that's what happened. He suffered and died, and he was despised and rejected. And so the story of Jesus is the story that sometimes it's through suffering, sometimes it's even through death that we find the path to victory, to resurrection, and to ultimate redemption. And if we embrace this story, the reality of the Christian story, the reality of the Christian life is suffering and loss and difficulty and hardship and rejection are going to be a part of it. And the reason we can handle that is because we know that those things are not the ultimate story. They're just chapters in the path to something much bigger and much greater. You know, it's interesting. This is a message that got through to Paul because as he comes through in Acts chapter 14, just a little bit later in the book, he's going through and strengthening the churches he, he had preached and he, he had planted earlier. And his message to them is, Acts 14.22, we must go through many hardships in order to enter the kingdom of God. And as you see later in the writings of Paul, he comes back to this. In 2 Corinthians 11, he says, he catalogs all the sufferings and he says, once I was even stoned by by the people referring to this incident. And in 2 Timothy 3.11, he says, you know about the sufferings that happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra. This became part of Paul's story. Paul didn't think that his ministry or his call was invalidated because he suffered, because he was rejected, even because he was beaten up and left for dead. He knew that that was part of the greater story that God was writing for him. And it's not clear in this story, you know, this story doesn't have a lot of closure in terms of why Paul had to go through something like this at that time. But it was what Paul had to go through because that was the story as it unfolded. 
You know, I think, here's the thing, for all of us, if we could write our own story of our life, if I could write my own story for my life, it would be this linear path of success and popularity and prosperity and and fame and fortune and glory, you know, just, just, just kind of a, a straight line like this. But that's not how God wrote my story, and that's probably not how God's going to write your story either, because that's not the way God works. In Psalm 139, the, the psalmist puts it this way, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. But what, what Psalm 139 says is that all of our lives are a story that's being masterfully written by a master storyteller. One thing you know about a well-written story is that nothing that happens happens randomly. Nothing that's, that's, that's written into the story that, that's well put together is meaningless or irrelevant to the unfolding of the story. Everything's important. And it's just that when you're going through the story, you don't necessarily understand how it's important or why it's important or what the significance of those particular things are. But if that is your story, then you can trust in that. Then you can believe in that. Then you can maintain hope even when you get stoned and left for dead and dragged out of the city. You can believe that God has a plan and that God is working through these difficulties. God's working through these hardships. We know that as followers of Christ because that was the the story of Jesus' life. Remember, when Jesus entered into Jerusalem in Palm Sunday, his followers thought they knew what his story was going to be. We're going to go into Jerusalem, and this is it. This is the kind of the climax. Everything's coming to a head. The people are going to to all get behind us and get behind this movement. And the big argument the, the disciples had, remember, is who's going to be the greatest when we come into your kingdom? And Jesus says, you guys don't know what you're getting into yet. You don't know the story. So they go into Jerusalem. They do the Last Supper. The disciples think, okay, this is, this is really getting interesting. What's going to happen next? And then Judas betrays him. Jesus gets arrested. Peter denies him. The rest of the disciples scatter. Jesus is condemned humiliated, beaten up, hung on a cross, and he dies. The disciples were confused. The crucified Messiah was a failed Messiah. How could this possibly have been? Why would this be? This wasn't the story they had envisioned for the one that they had, had discovered was the Messiah. What was going on here? And what we learn, what we know, is that the suffering of Jesus the humiliation of Jesus, the death of Jesus, didn't happen because he was less than the disciples hoped he would be. It happened because he was actually more than the disciples dreamed he could be. He wasn't just there to liberate Jerusalem from the Romans in 33 AD. He was there to usher in a whole new age, not just to defeat the oppressors, but to defeat sin and death itself by his power and by his strength. That's what Jesus came to be. And in our lives, our stories, when we face disappointments, when we face frustrations, when things don't go the way we've written it up, it's not because God's plan for us is less than we had hoped. It's because God's plan for you and for me is greater than we can dream. And the challenge for us is to believe in that. The challenge for us is to trust in that and and to live in light of that hope. That's what kept 
Paul going. That's what enabled him to get up after he had been beaten up and left for dead. And then his disciples splashed water on his face, picked him up and said, let's go move on to the next town. And that can keep you going as well. See, to become a Christian, what you do is you simply recognize that the story of Jesus is the most important story in your life. And that's the story that's going to define you today and for all eternity. And as you grow as a Christian, you recognize that everything that happens in your life, the good, the bad, and the ugly, is all, are all things that God is going to work together for His good, for your, for His glory, and for your good to accomplish a purpose that's greater than anything you can imagine as you trust in Him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I recognize that we all come here and we've got different stories, different uh, hurts, different disappointments, different confusions. I pray that you would help each of us to bring those to the cross, to trust that you are the God who raised Jesus from the dead and you're able even to take the brokenness of our story and through it accomplish your glorious purpose. Do that, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.